Hi, welcome to This is Sober. I'm Molly Desch, your sober coach and host. And today I have Angelica on the podcast. Today, Angelica is going to share with us her story, um, it, which led to a cancer diagnosis. Um, and we're just going to talk about all the things that led up to her drinking, what life is like now for her, and, you know, just have a conversation about her story. Hi, Angelica. Thank you for being on the show today. Hi, Molly. Thank you so much for having me. It's 5 a.m. in Brisbane, Australia. And <laughs> as you said, I, I did that to myself. I booked it. Uh, but <laughs> yesterday when I went to bed, I thought to myself, this is a really uh, important mission. And I'm so uh, happy and proud and blessed, uh, proud of you doing this and blessed to be here with you, sharing my own story to hopefully help people to see things from a different perspective. So really, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you reached out. How long have you, um, how long have you been sober? Uh, five years now. Five years now. So yeah. was that um, immediately after your diagnosis? Yeah. So I was diagnosed with stage three bowel cancer. And it's really funny. As soon as you say that, like, how long have you been sober? I felt in my body like a contraction because I never wanted to see me as somebody with a problem with alcohol. And the more I talk about it, the more I realize, you know, yes, it was a problem. And it's going to be five years I had to think about it because I'm about to do my last uh, CT and I'll be five years, uh, you know, cancer free. So um, wow, that's, that's awesome. I kind of, yeah, that's why I kind of know. But I think that, that uh, yeah, because it was an emergency surgery uh, and straight away I had to do um, a, a chemotherapy treatment. So it was kind of a, uh, all of a sudden my life changed quite quickly. So and during chemo, I felt really nauseous. I felt like I had a hangover 24 seven. Oh. And it was, I know it was, um, and funnily enough, I think that was a good thing in many ways because that really showed me uh, what it was like to have a hangover 24-7. And it made me think about, you know, do you want to, um, you know, keep doing this? You know, like during chemo, you know, people kind of knew like, you know, you're doing chemo, people never offer you alcohol, you know, but afterwards and even leading to your last session, you know, people always ask you, you know, are you going to have a drink, you know, to celebrate? And just the thought of it, it just made me even like more sick. And I was like, oh, oh crazy. no, you know, like, I don't want to do that again. You know, I don't want to feel like that again. I've been feeling like this for 20, like 24, seven, for seven and a half months now. I'm yeah, over, I'm like over that. that. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. Like, why would I go back to doing something to make me feel like that? <laughs> unless I'm crazy you know like no I don't want to do that so now, they, tell me how how the diagnosis came up like did you start getting sick or like what led up to that um it's really interesting because people think that you know leading to a diagnosis that I stage three and it was a stage three b had already spread to my lymph nodes you know you'll be like in absolutely agony pain you know your legs right. will fall off or you know like you'll have nothing like that like really um, I was exhausted and I had been exhausted for a year 
and the doctors had diagnosed me with uh, anemia. So it was, okay, you're anemic, take iron tablets, eat red meat three times a day, three times a week. Um, and, uh, you know, that's your problem. So I started doing that, but my exhaustion didn't go away. And after seven months of being on iron tablets, my bowel movements started changing. I thought it's the iron tablets. And then three months later, um, I was still anemic. Uh, the doctor said, you know, we need to check this out because you are taking the iron tablets. Let's check you uh, for like on the gynecology side to, to make sure that, you know, your periods are not causing that and the colonoscopy, because by then I had had some bleeding in my stools oh, and wow. I was really bloated. Um, but that was it, like bloated. It could have been for my period, you know, sure. that was all, you know, like nothing like sinister really and one day I woke up and I didn't feel like eating and that was really odd because I'm a good eater and I eat a lot and and I also noticed that my body started rejecting rejecting alcohol like immediately if I drank anything two to three months before my diagnosis I would just have diarrhea oh wow yeah and um I went in and I think this is really interesting to and I, I'm I'm sure we're going to talk about this. Uh, when I went into the emergency department, they asked me, do you drink? Yeah. And I said, oh, I just drink. At the time I was drinking maybe like six to eight units a week. I wasn't drinking a lot. I had had my kids and you know, I was working and, but I still drank like two units on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in any other opportunity as well. Sure. That I would just be into drink. And the doctor said, uh, the gastroenterologist said, oh, yeah, that's normal. I do that too. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it's, you know. So you're course, like, oh, it's totally normal. The doctor's yeah, doing it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. You know, it's totally normal. You know, the doctor was young. You know, she looked healthy, you know, looked healthy, you know. Right. You don't, oh, no, do you right? I looked healthy. You know, they could yeah. not believe it. I looked healthy. They, they did not want to. Uh, put me through the CT scans because my bloods didn't show any problems. I looked healthy. I was young, no family history. And it wasn't until they put me through the CT scans after going through the emergency department and not stopping feeling nauseous that they said, well, you know, your bowel is, um, you know, you've got one side full of poo backed up and the other side, your bowel had, has gone inside itself. Um, and, you know, that led them to think, you know, after day two of me still feeling nauseous, this could be serious. Day three, I'm still not eating. And they're like, yeah, we need to think that this is cancer. And uh, they were very concerned about going in because I had all this poo back tapped on one side. If that went everywhere, I could have died. And then um, I was very lucky to have a senior consultant uh, looking at my paperwork was Easter and said, now nah, I can come in, I can do this and I can do a laparoscopy surgery and I think it's going to be okay, but it's definitely cancer. Oh, wow. And it's just stage three. Um, so, so what did you feel when they said that? What's going through your mind? I was, I think my first thought was, I do believe in God was like, why? You know, like I have gone through so much in my life why this, you know, like, this is so serious. I have two kids to raise. And I, I've, I really feel that God gave me an answer like that and then. Um, and for 
for me, it was very much around uh, all the anger and resentment that I held on against my family. Mm-hmm. And God said, you need to let that go. You need to forgive your family. And I just thought, I just don't know if I can do this. And, you know, by then it's like, I need to prepare myself mentally to go into surgery. You know, you come out of surgery, they tell, you know, like, oh, this was actually, there was, the confirmation came after the surgery. You know, he confirmed like, look, yeah, I went in, everything went well, but it's definitely stage three. And that's when. Oh, I, so they, they didn't even really know until after with, you had surgery. No. They didn't. And to be honest, to a certain extent, what they do is they take, because the tumor was taken out, they send it to the lab and, and they do some tests uh, to see if, you know, it's anything to do with anything else or no genes or if they need to do any other treatment. And then I met my oncologist a month later, and then he confirmed me it's stage three B because they've taken some lymph nodes out, lymph nodes out, and they found cancer in the lymph nodes. And so it became stage three B, which means like is a step, a step away from being stage four. And at the time I, of my surgery, I had a little cyst on my liver. And after surgery, they sent me to have this scan on my liver and I didn't understand anything about it. And I was there for an hour. They were literally doing an ultrasound on my liver for a whole hour. And I'm like, you know, just sitting there like feeling, okay, well, and the guy's like, I really can't see anything. It's only a little cyst. I'm going to get my colleague to have a look at it. But I know now that that was the cancer is spreading. Right. That that cyst is no longer there. Um, and again, I'm not a doctor, you know, I don't want to, you know, people to take this to heart or, to, you know, take this as a medical device, but, you know, I implemented a lot of changes in my life and, and I really truly believe that that is the reason why the cyst is no longer there, but my liver, you know, of course, with the alcohol intake, uh, had had enough, like for sure. And, yeah. and I think that, um, you know, that was, uh, my body's done an amazing job to keep the cancer in one area, but it was already kind of, I can't do this anymore kind of thing. So what made you draw the conclusion that it was related to alcohol? So when I started reading about, so what I did was I went home, they said, you've got a month to, to recover a month in a month's time. You need to start chemo. And I kind of, and they told me it's bad luck, your cancer diagnosis. There's no genetic history with test, you know, like that's it, like bad luck. And I kind of thought it, it can't be like, like I've got to find my own answers. I can't yeah. live with this. Like, hello, like this is just, I can't like how, how much of a bad luck can one have? Right. And, you know, like I can't, it's you know. Bad I, luck. Exactly. There's got to be something that created exactly. this. There's got to be something, you know. And for me, it was very much thinking, you know, at that moment as well of, of knowing, no, it was cancer, you know, I, I did, you know, there is something in me that thought, you know, something led me to this, you know, and I need to find out what, and as I started reading and all I started reading was about recipes to help me through chemo, you know, and I started reading about nutrition and food and, and, you know, what the body was capable of doing with all the foods that came from nature. And I started thinking about what I had done with my body in mm-hmm. my whole life. Yeah. 
you know, I started binge drinking when I was 15. You know, I come from Brazil and was like drinking spirits, alcohol, vodka, you know, and going out every night and partying crazy. Then I moved to Europe um, and the drinking never stopped um, and the binge drinking never stopped. And I think that, you know, when I look back, it was so excessive. It was, but what, it, you know, and we talked a little bit before the, you know, we were press recording here, like what it is excessive these days. Right. Yeah. What does that even mean? What's excessive to you? It may be not excessive to me. Yeah. And also yeah. I really believe that, you know, I, so there was, there was this moment I was in hospital during my, after my surgery, right? So it was like very beginning of my journey, trying to get my head around that there was this little, this very quirky nurse looking after me. And, you know, and, and I really believe life drops as little signs, right? Like little oh, yeah, for sure. gold nuggets, you know, and it's yeah. up to, to take it or leave it. And I said to him, it was a Friday night. And I said, you know, I bet you much rather be going out with your friends and drinking, you know, like rather than here looking after me. And he said, I don't drink. And I was like, what? Like, how? And he was about like 30s, right? I was 38. Yeah. And I, he was probably even younger, to be honest. He was like late 20s. And I said, how come? Like, you don't drink? And he's like, nah, I don't. He said, did you know that it takes three hours for the liver to filter one unit of alcohol? And I was like, oh, and, you know, the penny dropped big time in that moment. And I was like, wow, every I've been drinking like nonstop. I've never given my liver a t- like, break. any time to breathe. And, you know, those binge drinking eyes, when you drink like 10, 15 drinks, how many days, right. you know, is it, that's insane, right? And you just do that over and over again. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it was very much, um, I think that was the beginning of a wake up call to go, wait a second, that, do I want to keep doing this with my body? So let me ask, so you were in the hospital, this was right after your surgery, you hadn't had anything to drink since then, or had you? Um, So after, so I stay, I was probably a four days without eating anything. And then they did the surgery on the fourth day. And it was a very complicated surgery. So I came out and I started eating very slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very slowly. So that was when this person was looking after me. And he's like, I don't drink. I mean, this is like your kind of like your first thought of, oh. Well, exactly. Oh. My first so around alcohol in particularly, like going, gotcha. wow, like, you know. Um, this person obviously has been a lot smarter about his body and his life than me because I have been drinking like <laughs> like crazy for a long time without even thinking yeah. twice about what was doing in my body. And for me, you know, of course, you know, I'm, I'm 43 now. I was 38 years old when I was diagnosed. I've got two kids. They're young. They are now 11 and nine. They were six and four at the time. I needed to make some really good like important decisions in my life around how I was going to live for as long as I could. Yeah. Um, you know, mortality hit me hard. And, um, and I think that 
when you were just, you know, living life, like, you know, oh yeah, it's going to be fine. You know, like I'm just going to be patching up my stress and my, you know, emotional resentment and wounds and by drinking or doing whatever, uh, and everything is still working. You don't think about it, right? Because you're not forced to think about it. But I was take it for granted. Yes, you take for granted. But for me, it was I, I felt like I was forced to think about it. And I'm not saying that everybody who is diagnosed with cancer um, thinks about it because sometimes they don't either. And I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. But for me, it was very important to think about how I was going to live the rest of my life. And I yeah. needed to make some important decisions on how I was going to you know, make it last for as long as I could. And also for me, it was very important to create health again right like I was in a place where I was dependent on doctors for seven and a half months you know I had bloods taken out of me like every two weeks I had to go to the hospital every week you know I would stay there for endless hours receiving my chemo I'd come home um you know with like a chemo pump I was in the hospital like in the emergency hospital during the chemo treatment because things would go wrong I almost died during chemo. I mean, there was so much into it that I thought, do I ever want to be in this situation again? And I'm not saying that I won't, but I started thinking that I would rather choose to do things every single day to help me to not get into the situation again instead of living like I was living, which is hoping for the best. Right. And your kids too. Like what exactly. kind of role did they play? What were exactly. they doing when you were in chemo? Like tell so me about my kid, that. It was yeah, it was um uh tough. We talked to them and we were as honest as we could with them. I didn't want to say the word cancer because I didn't want them to go to school and somebody said, Oh yeah, my grandmother had cancer and she died. Yeah. Um, but we had books from the hospital explaining about like the chemo shark and you know, like things like in a in a in in, in, in children's kind of way to sure. explain to him what was going on and we we said it was very serious and mommy was going to be tired but you know we were doing everything we could uh for mommy to get better and all of that so it was tough for them uh you know for my daughter she was only four at the time um for her you know she came out thinking you know what's going to happen if my mom and dad die where will my my brother go you know things like that that uh it did impact them and of course as a result of my changes I changed all uh their uh lives as well like around food uh around everything and I wanted to lead by example as well and it's really interesting like when we talk about alcohol we went to a party the other day and and they were celebrating and everybody, you know, had a glass of champagne because it was a, uh, a wedding. And my um, a son said, mommy, you can have one glass. And I said to him, <laughs> I know I can. But mommy chooses not to. Because remember, mom, what mommy had was really serious. And I'm not saying that, you know, people can't have it. But what I'm yeah. saying is mommy's choosing not to. And it's kind of really explaining to them, this is the truth. Like, I can't joke around anymore about my health. 
you know, and for people listening to this, that perhaps they have had cancer or they know somebody who has had, I'm not saying that my decision is the right decision. My decision is the right decision for me. You know, those are decisions that I made because I want to create, I wanted to create a different life for myself. And drinking was something that it didn't serve me. It didn't add anything to my life. If anything, it only took it away. And I well, didn't want to there was a recent, um, the New York Times published this article about uh, more up-to-date studies on alcohol's mm -hmm. direct correlation, like it's causation to cancer. Um, it's linked to seven different types of cancers. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there was some studies several years ago that was it was kind of like leaning towards encouraging people to drink wine because it's good for you. You know, it's like heart healthy and all that. And so finally the world health organization, the CDC, like all of these major um, like health organizations are saying zero amount of alcohol is healthy for you. And it's now yeah. finally being classified as a carcinogen. You know, yeah. it's up there with, well, tobacco is tobacco, one, but, of course. you yeah. know, like it's, it's becoming more known that alcohol yeah. does directly cause some forms of cancer. And you had one that was it. another is, uh, you know, breast cancer in women, esophagus yeah. cancer. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of them out there. So I feel like bringing awareness to that, you know, yeah. people are like, oh, well, I, I'm not going to smoke because it can cause cancer. Well, alcohol no. can cause cancer too. Yeah. And I think that what happens in our society is we wait to be told like, oh yeah, you know, cigarettes cause cancer. I mean, yeah. you don't have to, to really, you know, if you connect your body after you drink something, you know like it's not good for your body your body if you if you really has have a connection with your body you know that it's not something that benefits your body but of course we live lives that are we are so disconnected from our bodies and you know people drink to numb their feelings people drink to forget yeah. people drink to deal with their stress people i did all of those things yep me too you know so if I'm not doing this, what am I doing? What are you? Right. Doing? I started meditating and, you know, and I'm not saying that this happens every day, but I have been meditations that I've been so high that I'm like, man, I wish I had, had, <laughs> right. Knew this so good. When I was a teenager, you know, like, um, and I think that is just really taking control of your health instead of waiting for the government or the doctors are telling us what we should be doing, because I really believe the doctors are in a really hard position too. You know, they are just patching up. Like, let's face it, I'm 38 years old. I look healthy. I've got stage three bar cancer. What are they supposed to say to me? Right. Change your whole diet. Yeah. Well, they say Stay eat healthy, exercise, but they don't they ever say don't drink alcohol. They did. They, they, yeah, they didn't. They didn't even say that, to be honest. Um, in my information session, they said if you're going to choose a fast food, choose McDonald's because at least you're not going to get food poison. Yes. What? 
Yes, I know. Oh my gosh. You know, it's so and funny. No, like if you were to eat, if you were to eat like a carrot and it made you throw up, are you going to eat that carrot again? Probably yeah. not. But we do this with alcohol all the time. It makes us feel awful. And yet we're like, yep, I'm going to go right back to that. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, for, for doctors, I think it's a really hard uh, issue because some people even drink during during chemo as well. Like I, my husband's uh, auntie's uh, partner had throat uh, cancer and, you know, he it was... It, it, you know, literally kills all your cells around your mouth. And he had radio and all of that. And he had a tube with um, a feeding tube through the nose. And and she was uh, telling us that people go in to the doctors and say, if I want to drink a glass of wine, can I just put the feed, feeding tube into, yeah, into the glass no. and then drink the wine like that? I mean we human beings are incredible <laughs> how, how we adapt uh, to suit our own pain um and that's what some people do you know so um i think for me it's very important to uh, empower people to take charge of what's going going on in their particular situation as opposed to waiting for somebody else to tell them what they should be doing Right. Like you said, you know, and even with cancer and alcohol, I think, you know, the Cancer uh, Council Australia or Cancer Council, you know, those associations that support cancer patients, you know, what it is the level of of a safe, safe amount of alcohol that people can drink. They are not advertising for people not to drink at all. They're not. No, they're not. Why? Because people don't want to hear that. So I think it's a two-way responsibility, a two-side responsibility. You know, we condemn sometimes the conventional medicine for not telling, or the government for not telling us, but, you know, we are the ones that can take charge and can, you know, if if we want to get hold of some research around alcohol, there will be a ton of that, a ton of research out there to show that alcohol doesn't benefit you in any way. Right. But like you said, we have to wait to be told. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Even though our bodies are screaming at us to stop. Yeah, Yeah. and they are not going to tell us because alcohol, it's a massive industry. You know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry that provides a lot of taxes for the government and, you know, in the same way as, as cigarettes did and, and, you know, this is happening all over the world because, you know, it's an accepted drug. It's a yeah, legal it's the, drug. It's the only legal acceptable drug. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, if anything, if people are listening to this and especially if they're going through, uh, you know, a chronic disease, informing yourself. And for me, of course, it was the, the bowel where, you know, all your food and all your liquid, you know, goes to that. And I needed to kind of take into consideration it was somewhat what, what I was eating. It was somewhat what I was drinking, right? Yeah. And I did not drink a soda all the time or things like that, sugary drinks. But alcohol has an incredible amount of sugar. 
Yeah, it does. That's why when you quit drinking, you crave sugar. Yeah. And sugar, it's, it creates a lot of inflammation and inflammation creates cancer. Yeah. Once I start making all of those links together, I'm like, why would I put that into my body again? Right. So you mentioned that life after chemo, once you got your, rid of your cancer, you quit drinking, life was different. Like different how? So I had made lots of changes around my eating uh, during chemo. I started exercising. I started meditating, practicing yoga during chemo. I was able to finish the 12 sessions of chemo feeling stronger than I started. And wow. I thought, wow. Isn't that just is kind of the opposite? Like, don't aren't people usually less strong when they finish chemo? Like, they're just so weak and tired. People are wrecked. Like, if you, if you haven't done the work that I did, like changing your diet and eating McDonald's and not exercising, my body would have been a wreck. Like, it was, chemo was rough. By the You're end of stronger. my chemo, yeah, but the 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 last chemo, uh, one of my oncology nurses said to me, Angelica, well done for finishing this. And I'm like, not everybody does it. And he said, hell no. no. Oh, really? In eight years of oncology, I've seen four people finishing this chemo. What? Exactly. What I was they, like, what? they just walk away and give up? They just can't. Their body just can't. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I had many uh, delays, um, you know, with white cells too low, red cells, platelets. So unless your, your body recovers from a chemo session, which is like throwing an atomic bomb inside you every two weeks, you can't have the next one. And if your body is not recovering, then you can't have it. So for me, like in the middle of it, I had like a bleeding. They said, oh, you're going to go into menopause, but I, I didn't. And I had this bleeding that it was so intense that I was bleeding to death and they did not know how to stop it. No explanation whatsoever. We don't know what's, why is this happening with you. Your body's so dysregulated during chemo, it's hard to know what's actually happening. Wow. It's, it's really, really difficult. So a lot of people can't keep doing it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, you know, and sometimes people, you know, that can lead to people's death because chemo is really, really rough. And for me, you know, at the end, I was like, my God, my body's so resilient. I was, yeah, you're doing, time. you're doing the exercise, you're eating right. You're yeah. doing some yoga, you're feeling great. Yeah. And I was in awe by what my body did for me after all the abuse. 38 years of abuse, you know, putting my body under stress, you know, drinking, eating, not exercising, all of that. And I'm like in seven and a half months during chemo, my body was able to finish feeling stronger than it started. I mean, how remarkable is that? Yeah, that's incredible. I'm impressed. You know, and I think that people don't realize like how resilient our bodies are how and when we put the right things in it yes. that they can take anything yeah. yeah and you know when you put the right things in it you're saying to your body i love you yeah 
when you put alcohol and, and drugs and and you know rubbish food and you're saying to your body you know I don't like you right you you wouldn't treat a child like that you wouldn't treat a pet that you love like that but we are treating our bodies like that every single day I remember thinking before my diagnosis like you know why is my body not strong anymore hello, I wasn't giving anything to it. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything to help it. Yeah. I mean, when you're drinking, you're also eating crap. Yes. And like you're not yeah. digesting your food properly. You're not producing the right yeah. hormones. Like all these things are happening behind the scenes and you have no idea that it's going down and you're literally creating your own disease inside of yourself. Yeah. So I would Whether eat it's cancer or something else. Yeah, I would eat salami, which is uh, directly related to um, stomach and bowel cancer, <laughs> which oh, again, I did not know that. I didn't uh, know that. Yes, so processed meats uh, are directly related to, to bowel cancer and stomach cancer, meaning all sausages, uh, everything that is, um, you know, salami, spama ham. Uh, ham, everything that it's kind of, you know, in the counter type of thing that I, I used to absolutely love it and eat so well, yeah. much. Of it. Yeah, it's uh, proven to be directly related to uh, bowel and stomach cancer because of the nitrates uh, that they need to use in the process oh, of, yeah. of making it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, you know, all of those things are bacon. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. Bacon. Bacon is a big one. Yeah. Oh bacon. My God, I love bacon. Yeah, they do yeah. have the natural bacon now that doesn't have the nitrate. So I buy that nitrate a little free. more expensive, but yeah. 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 So nitrate free is definitely the way to go. Or it's not just crazy. Go. They put this stuff in our food. Yeah. Like it's yeah. Not and really. also like that you don't know. Like I I knew it because Bauer Cancer Australia sent me a little leaflet and I opened the leaflet processed meat are directly related to cancer and I was like what I've been eating this my whole life yeah they don't say anything about that either you know normal like everybody that I spoke to they said I'm giving my my child ham sandwiches to go to school every day yeah guess what it's cancer yeah. wow so um I was in awe by my body at the end of the chemo, uh, the whole treatment. And I thought, you know, I, I love this feeling, you know, I love being healthy. I just want to keep building on this feeling and creating more health. I knew it was, that was just one mountain to climb, but I still needed to detox a load from the chemo treatment and from everything right. that I had gone through. And I also needed to work on my emotional side of things because I knew that just changing the physical side wasn't going to be enough and you know the emotional was directly related to what happened with my physical body and oh, yeah. that was a massive part part of my healing and I went on this journey of you know letting go of my resentment forgiveness and all of that and you know if people believe in the chakra system you know where the bowel is is where your root chakra is yeah. is where you feel safe uh you know your you know your connection with you know feeling safe as as a as a child you know when you in your early years and 
and you know your relation to life as well feeling safe in life and because I had this massive issue with my family I no longer felt safe yeah and this impact that you know on my organs around it which you know part of it was about and and also in regards to the resentment and the anger you know once you don't let go emotionally you can't let go physically right and yeah, that the was energy the organ just gets that, stored in there yeah 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 and that 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 was the organ that was struggling in my body because I didn't let go and I knew that I needed to let go so you're doing like two things to your body you're keeping all of this hurt this resentment this anger yeah. and it's down in your root chakra which yeah I am I believe in that as well. It's very powerful and releasing that releases a lot of the energy, but then the drinking too. So you yeah. just like compounded the issue. Exactly. So how did you, how did you work through some of this um, emotional baggage that you had? So that was definitely a process, you know, after I had conquered all the you know, nutrition stuff. And, you know, I read a ton of book during chemo. I started reading about emotional healing and researching how can I forgive and how can I let this go and what do I need to do? And I think it's really important for anybody that is listening. I really think that, and, and I know that forgiveness is not an easy thing. You know, people might be li yeah. listening to this and thinking, yeah, Angelica, but you don't know what I have gone through. And, and I, I value that and I acknowledge that. But what I realize is that for me, it was a matter of death or life. If I didn't let that go, the cancer was going to come back. Cancer recurrence is, is, a, is a big thing. And I needed yeah. to let that go. And I knew that was going to be a process. And because I believe in God, I started asking God, you know, like, please help me. I don't know, even know what, where to start. I don't know if I can do this. Maybe I can't. And, you know, and, and really I spent a lot of time thinking like that. And until one day I decided I need to let this go because I want to live. I want to live for my kids. I want to live for me. I want, I want to experience more of life. And I think one thing started coming up in front of me, like one step, you know, I think once you start opening yourself to really healing yourself, truly, the answers start coming when you're ready to receive them, but right. it is a process. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say it's easy. It was a five minutes process, and you know, it was all happy. It wasn't like that, especially when it comes to family. You know, there was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of resentment. But I realized that I needed to change me. I needed to change the relationship I had with this, this hurt, with these wounds, the anger, the everything. And I also wanted to talk about that the, the alcohol made me numb all of that. Right. But the, I was so angry inside. And the anger started spilling out of me. And I had to recognize that after my diagnosis because I needed to work through that because before I had become, you know, an angry mother, impatient with my kids, shouty. You know, I never hit my kids, but that's, enough to me right. thinking I yeah. don't want to do this right you know being you know in paid grumpy with my husband who is a loving man and who 
is an incredible husband. And all of that, I needed to be real and honest with myself and think, do I want to keep being that person? And good food and nutrition, the, the yoga, the meditation helps you somewhat with that because I believe that, you know, if you're eating good food, your mental state is, is stronger, is strengthen you. Uh, yeah. You know, if you're exercising, it's it, of course there is a flow effect, but you yeah, also you need to start somewhere. It's almost exactly. like it kind of like loosens things up a little bit and then you can start, yeah. you know, kind of digging your way out a little faster and a little faster. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. And the physical bit, and you probably experienced that with your clients is the easiest bit, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the hardest, yeah. it is the emotional side, right? It is. Oh the my hardest. God. Yes. Yeah. You know, you think like, oh, yeah, I'm doing, you know, the diet is great, you know, the exercise, the yoga, but mm, I don't know what to do with my anger management thing, you know, like, how do I go right. there? How do I let go of this anger addiction? It had become a habit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then you kind of, you can even tend to find something else to cover that up. So it may not be the alcohol anymore, but it could be something else. You could be sleeping or it could be social media or working yes. or whatever. So yes. it doesn't matter yes. what you use, if it's alcohol or not, it's still there. You've got to work through it. Yeah. And I think for me now, a lot of people see probably me from the outside. Angelica, you know, you know, you, you're very strict, you know, for people that live in a, in a, Kind of normal West, Western world, and and you know we eat mostly a plant based diet at home. My kids as well, and my husband. Uh, I don't eat meat, but if they want to eat meat, you know, I'm happy for them too. Um, we don't eat any refined sugar. You know, I don't buy biscuits or packet stuff. You know, we make everything from scratch at home. Yeah, uh, I exercise every day. Uh, my kid, I you know we walk to school. You know, for me, it was important to change my life, but their life as well. Right. Yeah. But, and they're at the age where they can start developing these habits. And yeah. I want you to talk about, you know, finish your sentence there, but I want you to talk about how, you know, uh, the emotional aspect and how you can be a good example in that regard too. Exactly. And that, that was it. I wanted to mimic um, habits and different patterns to my kids and my anger addiction was a big thing. My stress addiction was a big thing. And, you know, when you, you know, back to what you said, you know, like it, it can become a different thing. Like my thing now it's, yeah, it's just, it's health. You know, I'm addicted to being healthy, you know, like I yeah. addicted to my exercise routine. I'm addicted to my yoga. And, and look, I don't want to say this as in, um, you know, I'm better than anybody else. This is, this is how I found my in my journey to to kind of change my shift and focus of energy yeah right, right. I, I am very a disciplined and very determined so I went all in into my health and I don't think so there's anything that's... wrong with that I mean I don't feel like you need to apologize for anything or say like I don't want to come across as I'm better than you. Like this is actually the way our bodies are made to be. They're made to be yeah. at peace, calm, you know, filling it with healthy things, water, nutrition, you know, even your mind filling it with good things. Like that's, yeah. that's our natural balance state. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, thanks for giving me permission not to apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, yeah, so the flow effect is massive. It has been massive on my kids. Um, The emotional healing. So I think the meditation really helps me. Uh, It's still up to this date. Uh, I still meditate. It helps me a lot with uh, being patient with my kids and that what motivates me to meditate every day. I did go to a counselor after my treatment. It was a very difficult period after the cancer treatment. You know, the doctors tell you, okay, here we go. Go back to normal life. It's a very difficult, a difficult period for you to get your head around. Like, how do I live this life again? Right. Yeah. Because, you know, cancer does become part of who you are in a way. Like it was, is a massive part of your story and you oh, need to yeah. reconcile that with normal life again. Um and my uh, psychologist helped me massively uh, with that process of forgiveness. Um, again, you know, like I am, I got there and I said, I think, you know, a lot of people that I, I help, you know, my clients, they tell me I go to the psychologist, but, you know, it's not helping. I said, okay, but what are you saying to your psychologist? Oh, oh you know, we just talk about this and that. I was like, well, that, that's what the, the problem is. You need to go there with an objective. I went there and I said, you know, I've had cancer. Physically, I feel great, but emotionally, I need you to help me to forgive my family. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. get to the point. This, this is my objective. I need you to help me to let this go. You know, yeah. and, and we started working through that and I started doing the work myself, you know, and uh, at home. And I, it's a daily practice, right? I had that on my, and I would be asking God, help me, help me, help me, because I don't know if I can do this. I do think part of the forgiveness is, it's almost, we need, you know, if you don't believe in God, maybe you believe in the universe, life, or, you know, whatever other religion you have, there is um, almost like a spiritual part that we need help with, because some of us are very, very hurt. Yeah. I feel like spirituality is a huge part in recovery yeah. from anything. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and finding, you know, uh, some support and strength from that. I think yeah. it's very, 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 for me, it was very important. I couldn't have done without that because physically I didn't think I was, I didn't think I could do it on my own. I had been angry for a long time. Yeah. And you know that there's something that's got your back, whether it's yeah. God, the universe or whatever, you can push through things that you never imagined you could before. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there was one day that I felt that the anger is lifted. And was it only that day? No, it was all the work that I had done for the last you know, year and a half. And I think it's really important for people to think that it's not about, oh, how long did it take you? And, you know, like exactly what did, you know, it is yeah. about, it's a process. Every day that you do a meditation practice, you are helping to release some of your stress, some of your anger. Every day that you practice yoga, I do believe that yoga was a very important part practice as well for me because I had so much trapped energy in my body and I don't think right. any of exercise helps with that in yoga because of the breathing and and the poses that you uh, are doing 
it just helps you to release, start releasing all of that. Yeah. It moves the energy all around yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you know, it worked for you. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for somebody else. But like you said, many times it's a process and yeah. you've got to just put one foot forward, try yeah. something, see if it works. If it doesn't move on, find something yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. And give it a time, you know, like it, it, some days I would be, you know, I started doing yoga. I could barely stand like on downward dog for more than 30 seconds. Yeah. Like that was, that's how weak I was. I started doing that during chemo. I would, I would sit in meditation and think, this is ridiculous. This is not doing anything for me. My mind is racing. I'm thinking about all the problems. I'm worried. Like, this is just ridiculous. This is not doing anything. Yeah. But it was doing something. You just got to keep practicing. Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> You've got to keep showing up, you know, and That's sometimes right. you can even laugh at yourself going, oh, my God, my mind is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if you have five minutes, try just sit exactly for five minutes. It's yeah. you're giving yourself that time. It's not you're not trying to achieve anything other than yeah. just be with yourself. Yeah. And for me, it was like that, you know, I'm, because I'm such an all or nothing person, I thought, okay, I'll start doing this meditation th thing and I'm going to become a monk, you know, in a month. <laughs> <laughs> you get yeah. to, a to a month and your mind is still going crazy. and like, mm, I haven't become a monk yet. So what's going on? <laughs> this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's funny. So the emotional, you know, back to your question, um, I think I'm a much better mom. Um, and again, I'm not claiming perfection, perfection at all. I think I am more patient with my kids. I think I am a much better wife. I am um, a much better daughter. I am a, a much better human being. When something doesn't go my way outside of myself, you know, like, Think about a simple thing. Somebody cut you off on a traffic or you call a contact center and somebody doesn't do what you want and you start screaming at them. You know, all of those behaviors that I had before, right. now they're no longer, um, they are no longer in my life. You know, I just see the world with a different perspective and I don't need to drink for it. I don't need to finish my day with a drink. Uh, I don't need to um, uh, to think about oh, you know, I just want to have, you know, I can't wait for four o'clock because I want to have a drink today. I know. I know. Everybody's waiting for that, huh? Yeah. It's like they're, it's their reward for just getting exactly. through the day. Yeah. We yeah, all just got through the day. You don't need yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. Just like, I can't wait, you know, to put the kids to bed so I can have a drink. You know, so you're just missing out on the on the whole thing, on the whole, you know, on the whole experience. And you're just, you know, being impatient with them because you just want to get them to bed so you can have a drink. Right. Yeah. I remember speeding through my, my youngest son, my husband would read him a book and then I would go in there and we always had song time. So I would sing him songs. And I remember like, Oh, we're just going to do one song tonight because, you know, I wanted to get back to my drink. Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of people will be in that situation. Um, 
a lot of women, a lot of moms. Uh, I think a lot of younger people are, uh, are finding out and discovering that it is a problem. And like, I think it's important what you said, you know, I think it's just putting one foot in front of the other. And once you acknowledge that, it's just not, I think even labeling can be so heavy sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it, it could work for some people, but sometimes it couldn't. You know, again, I, I have worked with clients that have been to AA meetings and, you know, they said, you know, that did nothing for me. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying that it doesn't. I think it's important to find what works for you. Exactly. But the, the first step is always acknowledging that that habit is no longer serving you. Right. Yeah. And then taking some action and finding out yeah. what you can do instead. So exactly. Important. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. getting curious. So what do you do? You say you work with some clients. Yeah. So I now, so since the cancer, I went back to my old role, which was in uh, recruitment and I couldn't find myself in that anymore. I was still helping people to find jobs. And I kept feeling that I needed to share my story and help people to do what I had done, which is yeah. changing their habits, physical, mental, and emotional. And I left my corporate role. Um, I became a yoga teacher. I studied a Bachelor of Holistic Health Science. And in the meantime, I started helping people. And now what I do is I help people to change their physical, mental, and emotional habits in a practical way, just the way that I did it for myself. Um, really, it's a personalized plan for each person. I think it's important not to treat each individual as a, Everybody, you know, needs to do a particular thing. I think it's important to find what works for each person. It's a kind of a, a personalized approach to health. But the people that are drawn to my message are people that have got already something physically not going right with them, not necessarily cancer, but something I that a diagnosis or sometimes even just exhaustion, you know, and yeah. they just want to get out of that rut. And what we find is that the physical changes are always much easier than the emotional and the mental changes. Yeah. But I, I really believe that everything that we do is a habit. You know, you default yourself to, you know, being stressed all the time and to, you know, drink or to do whatever, you know, gambling, gaming, whatever it is. Or you default yourself, you know, for, to food, eating, overeating and all the rest of it everything that we do it's it's a habit you know things don't go my way then that's what I do I eat right every little and, thing we do all throughout our day we've got yeah. hundreds of little habits that we just stack on top of each other exactly yeah so it's just really um changing those practical things that you do that it starts compounding and making a massive difference in people's lives which you know, and, and for me, it's the, the power is people say, Angelica, is hard. And I say, yeah, I know, because I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right, it's hard. Exactly. I know. Damn hard is right. I know. I can't go for a five minutes walk. Yeah, I know. I know. But I know you can too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I can tell that you seem happy. You seem healthy. I know from the outside, but on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, you know, thank you. That work starts on the inside too. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. Five years cancer-free. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm going to 
to do my last CT on Monday. And then I get my answer in another week or two or something like that. But um, yeah, I'm really ex excited to close this chapter because I've been monitored quite closely for the last five years. Um, and that's going to be a massive, um, a massive win for sure. Yeah. So tell us, how are you going to celebrate? <laughs> Gosh, yeah, I didn't even think about it. You know, people get so anxious about going to the oncologist. I'm, I, I even forget about my appointments. I don't even know when it is. So <laughs> I must start, that's a good point. I need to start thinking about how I am going to celebrate because I should celebrate. It is a big, yeah. uh, a big, um, it's going to be an important milestone for me to. I to mean, achieve. what an accomplishment. All yeah. of the habits that you've built and the new life that you've created for yourself has really healed yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, what I'm mostly, um, you know, proud of as well is to have passed that on to so many other people, you know, and I'm talking about my family, friends, and also my clients, and even people that have listened to my message, because I really think that we empower ourselves so much when we hear from other people going through it, right? Like, right. Um, and in this platform, I really wanted to you know, share with people, don't wait until that they're, they're in diagnosis uh, to change your relationship with alcohol. I wasn't uh, an alcoholic, like, you know, I wasn't like a, a somebody who anybody would have been, you know, have labeled as somebody with a problem with alcohol. But I knew deep down that my relationship with alcohol was dysfunctional. It was very dysfunctional. And I couldn't wait any longer to for somebody else outside of me to tell me, oh, by the way, you need to stop drinking. Right. I needed to change that, and I did. So don't well, wait. I'm so glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, don't <laughs> wait. Don't yes, wait. don't wait. Yeah. You That's know, like you said, it could lead to so many other diseases. Uh, it, cancer is just one of them. You know, because when you do have that diagnosis, the the hole that you you are in is a much harder climb. It's a much, much harder climb. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your story with everybody. It was so great to have you on here. Thank you so much, Wally. And um, yeah, keep keep sharing uh, all of these stories with everybody. I think it's such an important subject. I was when I saw your uh podcast, I was so, you know, I thought, oh my God, you know, this resonates with me so much. I really, really want to be part of this. Uh, it touches me deeply. And I think that more people need to hear that.